The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio Show. Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management has offices in Bend, Eugene, and John Day, serving clients from all over the Northwest. Give us a call today for your free retirement review. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, it's an e-newsletter. Uh, we do a hard copy one that we send uh, via email, but we also, um, that's just once a quarter every two weeks. Josh and I do a video, it's five or six minutes long, where we talk about the capital markets and how it's affecting our clients' money. So if you don't get enough of us on the weekends uh, and you want to see us in person and see why at least I have a face for radio, go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, and sign up for our e-newsletter. Uh, and you can see Josh sitting on two stacks of paper. Uh, so this is a good one. This comes from Macro Elf. Uh, the S&P 500 trades, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying this. I think it's more like 19 times, but and the 19, this says the S&P 500 uh, trades at a 17 times forward PE. I feel like when we get actual earnings, it's going to be more like 20-something times. But, okay, let's, let's say that the S&P trades at 17 times forward price earnings multiple. The S&P 494, meaning excluding the six biggest companies uh, in the S&P, trades at 13 times uh, forward PE. So my point in bringing this up, is we can debate where the market is trading at from a multiple standpoint, but what we can't debate is that if we took out the six biggest companies, which are also very expensive companies, uh, that the market would be inexpensive, which tells us that if we go down the market cap spectrum and we look at medium size and small cap companies, those companies are very cheap uh, relative to the market, but also semi-cheap in an, on an no, absolute yeah, basis. Relative to their own historic averages. They... they down the market cap spectrum, the more breadth you have in your portfolio, you know, the more the, the market seems to have already priced a recession. It's not true so much for the, the mega caps. Yeah, so our point in bringing that up is that, and we talk about this all the time on the show, and we feature small and mid-cap stocks all the time, but what we do also know is that when we do our free retirement views, and some of you come in and, and show us your portfolios, you're not adding those asset classes to your portfolios either because you're doing it yourself, and for some reason you're not buying what we're saying, or you have a financial advisor and they've just gotten very lazy over the last 15 years knowing that large cap U.S. stocks are, have gone up and to the right uh, and haven't bothered to add men small cap stocks. But, you know, I, I would say you need a new financial advisor, but uh, it's, the, the data is very compelling. Uh, down the market cap spectrum, uh, you know, there's a lot of value to be had. And those six names, and you know what, you know, they're the Amazons, the Apples, the Googles, the Microsofts, Facebooks, Tesla, uh, you know, you know, those names are not going to lead the next 20 years in the S&P. And I know a lot of you own those st individual stocks and they are great businesses. But if you look at the S&P over the last 50 years, the names at the top of the list generally don't stay the same. ExxonMobil is, is the one company that sort of stayed there the longest and made the most appearances there. Um, but other than that, the, most of the names turned over. Uh, I thought you had something to say about that, but I guess not. Well, uh, I summed it up perfectly is what you're saying? No, you know, the, the, the higher rate, the multiple contraction because of the that we talked about in the last in the last segment about you know sort of that alternative that short term yields now offer that's going to most influence those names that trade at those higher valuations uh, in the years forward and it's you know so that's something definitely to be aware of when you're constructing your portfolio and we're of course in this segment going to talk about what drives your portfolio's return and why uh, specifically allocating towards those large cap stocks is not what you want to do. Okay, real quick though, before we do that, so Blackstone um, is you know has is a big private equity firm, and they have a, a Blackstone Property Partners, which is a real estate offering uh, for big institution pensions and endowments. Um, had seventy three billion dollars in uh, net 
assets in, in this fund. Uh, and they promised the participants in this fund uh, uh, 11 and a quarter percent return for six years. And they put a, a billion dollar backstop against those returns. Um, here's the problem I have with that. And so it looks like that billion dollar backstop is going to be exhausted. The problem is why would real estate investing is math, right? It's not it's not overly complicated. A cap rate is a cap rate. And, you know, the, the math to say that you should expect a long-term return of 11 and a quarter percent in a rising interest rate environment. And Blackstone is a lot of smart people. I mean, first of all, I don't know how they can get away with saying that. But second, how do, who believes that? I mean, because the math is the math. When you do the math and you look at a rising rate environment and you look at real estate and you look at cap rates, there was no way for them to get there without a ton of leverage, without a ton of borrowed money, which amplifies the risk a, a great deal. And so it always boggles my mind uh, when you get this, in real estate, they do this all the time. This is our expected internal rate of return, and the numbers that you see are always laughable. I don't think this is the end of those uh, redemption gates and that stuff. I mean, it's just the beginning. No, commercial real estate, especially in big cities like L.A., Portland, is in for There's some tough be times. There's going to a lot of bag holders in the next couple of years when you look at start to look at the distressed debt in that space. Okay, so one of the things, you know, we talk about drivers of return, total return versus uh, income, uh, but one of the things we also wanted to talk about is your asset allocation as a driver of your return. So uh, there's been lots of studies. Ibbotson has done these studies. Journal Financial, uh, Financial Analyst Journal has done these studies, um, and they looked at your asset allocation uh, as a driver of return, meaning where your money is located, you know, how much in stocks and bonds, and then within those categories, how much in large cap, mid cap, small cap stocks, how much in corporates, how much in treasuries, how much in, you know, every different asset class. And the, the thing that they figured out was that 93.6% of the driver of your return, so 90, almost all of the what's responsible from your return is your asset allocation, where your money is invested. Uh, and so we looked at that and we said, well, if that's true, then the next step is to say, okay, if, if that, if, if where getting the asset allocation is the most important thing by far, then the next step is we should be picking the lowest cost, most tax efficient ways to get that exposure. So the complicated thing for all of you out there is to know what the correct asset allocation is. And you know, if Josh and I were to tell you, then we wouldn't have a job. But, but you know, the, it's most important. The reason that we're talking about it now is because diversification over the last six month period has worked better than it has in any time. Oh, but but <laughs> but not only the last six months, but over your investing lifetime, asset allocation is going to matter. There will be periods like the last twelve years where you think this doesn't matter. It's, it's different this time. Asset allocation over your investing lifetime, whatever that is, if you start when you're twenty and end when you're ninety, or start when you're forty and end when you're sixty-five, your asset allocation, where you invest your money in different asset classes uh, matters is a driver of your return more than anything else by far. And so then we take to the next step and we say, okay, if that's true, we're going to buy really low cost, meaning indexes and very tax efficient indexes that are, are you know, ETFs that are tracking indexes that are tax efficient. And so, uh, but you know, the hard part for all of you out there is to say, well, how do I know how much I'm supposed to have in small cap, mid cap, large cap? We're here to tell you that not only you, you all have it wrong because people have gotten so lazy over the last 12 years that they've just totally disregarded asset classes that are going to matter over your investing lifetime, like developed mar international markets, like the emerging markets, like small cap, like value, like mid cap, like mid cap value. All of these different asset classes that you have all left for dead have mattered, like Josh said, the last six months. And we think in a higher rate environment, they're going to matter even more. And so, you know, th this is one of those things where you say to yourself, okay, I got to get the asset allocation right because the biggest, almost 94% of my portfolio's expected return in the future is about getting that asset allocation right. And we're, and I'm, again, I'm here to tell you that when we do our free retirement views, you don't have the asset allocation, right? Because we see them. It's all large cap growth stocks. And so uh, if you would like to take us up on a free retirement review and want us to look at your asset allocation to tell, if, tell you if you have it right. Because the thing is, if you can change your asset allocation and get 2% better returns per year over your investing lifetime, that will make a huge, 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but you compound 2% over 20 or 30 years and it makes a huge difference. So if you want to get a free retirement review and have at least $500,000 of investable assets, 
one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about your your very portfolio and if you have your asset allocation right. So call our office to get one of those scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about what you should be doing with your old 401ks and 403bs. Stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. are on sale now for the On Point Community Credit Union Oregon Winterfest, February 17th through 19th, presented by Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza. Be part of the Northwest's largest winter festival. More ice carving, more fire sculptures and light art. And this year, take a winter carnival ride. Bring the kids to the expanded indoor children's area featuring OMSI and get hot at this year's additional indoor music stage. Rock out Friday with the Sugar Hill Gang and Warren G. I got the sound for you and it's easy to see that this DJ you get down Saturday with country music sensation Tyler Fawn. Don't miss out. Tickets are on sale now at OregonWinterfest.com or at any On Point branch. Additional sponsors include Ten Barrel Brewing, Oregon, Crater Lake Spirits, A Bliss CBD, Avid Cider, Consumer Cellular, Best Med Urgent Care, Co Energy Propane, Eagle Crest Resort, Generac, KTVZ News Channel 21, Leaf Guard, Lonza, Pacific Source Health Plans, Redmond Proficiency Academy, TDS, Ukiah. Visit Redmond, The Source Weekly, and this station. Plaza Travel Plaza. After a long day and you want to play, get your mind off of the road. Have a great meal, try your slot machines. Life's good on the plateau. Quick stop anytime, gets you everything under the sun. Life's good on the plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Food, fuel, and fun? At the Plateau Travel Plaza in Madras, you get food, fuel, and fun all in one fabulous stop. After you fuel up with our low fuel prices, enjoy something fresh from our deli. Shop our store for local crafts and jewelry, travel essentials, electronics, and more. Then have some fun in our game room with 30 of the hottest slot machines and all the rewards you can handle. Life's good on the Plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Hey, there's a lot of cool stuff out here. Where are you? In Wilson's Furniture Warehouse. There's too much stuff. One of a kind, discontinued models, and old furniture friends. Well, why don't we offer up the sweetest deals of the year and empty the place out? Perfect. The warehouse clearance sale at Wilson's Redmond and Wilson's Mattress Gallery Bend. Save hundreds of dollars, even thousands on sofas, love seats, sectionals, recliners, lift chairs, cocktail tables, end tables, over 700 accessories, up to 75% off. So much stuff. There's furniture and mattress clearance specials at both stores in Bend and Redmond. Special financing and always free delivery. See store for details. The sooner you come in, the better selection. At Wilson's of Redmond, Wilson's Mattress Gallery Bend, we've got the furniture and mattress for you. Sale ends February 28th. Financial Focus Radio Show is online all the time via iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. Catch past shows online or by finding us on iTunes. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for joining us. Uh, If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call, 877-670-7117, or you can send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. 
the one-year Treasury yield has now moved up to 4.9%. That's the highest it's been since August of 2007. A year ago, the one-year Treasury was 0.88, and in mid-2021, hit an all-time low of 0.04%. And so the thing that's crazy about the interest rate environment we find ourselves in, it's not unique. Obviously, for most of uh, my life, interest rates on a one-year have been close to where they are now, uh, or I guess lower than they are right now, but they've but what is crazy is the interest rate move. How much interest rates have moved in a one-year period is is sort of breathtaking. I mean, it's 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 the velocity of that move is remember, quite unbelievable. Remember the the uh, ta- well, I guess you wouldn't call it the taper tantrum of Q4 2018 when well they got we got six hikes in that cycle. I think they started in 2016 and Q4 2018 was sort of the end because mm-hmm. the market would no could no longer tolerate two <laughs> percent discount rate prior to the de- pandemic and it's like it's almost laughable because if we had got through that uh yeah we would be in a better place yeah we certainly would what's also but, funny is that we had all of those periods of negative rates you yeah remember that negative rates negative i mean well negative, not just negative, negative rate, real here i mean you i think hopefully our fed learned the lesson from the european central bank and that gutting your financial system gutting your financial services sector by creating negative interest rates is not let's, not the path let's out of talk this, about it, here's how here's how that story goes in the short term we learn a lot yeah. in the medium term we learn a little in the long term we learn nothing i know it's, <laughs> and that's going to be true of the fed yeah cool. uh and then you know you want to know why josh and i are still relatively bearish it all has to do with earnings um s&p 500 uh Q4 gap earnings were down 20% year over year. That's the third consecutive quarter of negative year over year growth and the largest decline we've seen since the second quarter of 2020. Of course, that's when the pandemic hit in earnest. And so all assets, you know, when you think about asset prices, especially stocks, they're based on uh, earnings. And if we're going to see an earnings decline, of course, that means we're going to see lower stock prices. Couple that with higher interest rates. That's why we're still bearish on stocks. Ultimately, though, we think it's a good thing. So the funny thing is about us is that uh, being bearish is one of those things that is a long-term optimistic thing about this country and that we don't want to see these bubbles, you know, where we see these huge bubbles forms and then burst and then form and then burst. That's just not good. It creates civil unrest. It creates this, you know, what we have in this world, the country right now from a political environment. It's much better to have uh, sort of, grown-ups running the place and higher interest rates and more normalized interest rates and you know valuations that make sense well remember like three months ago when you got the productivity data and it was the worst productivity decline in 75 years and you overlay that with this labor shortage and it's like the way that we compensate for a shortage of labor is of course increasing labor's productivity but when you have low interest rates and you have all these zombie businesses that exist because the cost of capital is zero and money's not flowing to the companies that actually would do something productive with that, that leads to a decline in productivity. And then you are further taking away from the potential of the economy over time. So like this gets remedied and so much of it gets fixed by the invisible hand. You just have to let it work. And of course it takes time and you're not unwinding 15 years of this in 14 months. Josh's generation doesn't like the invisible hand. It feels like a spanking to his generation. (laughs) Okay. uh, What, what should you be doing? We know that a lot of you out there listening uh, have old 401ks and 403bs and retirement accounts that old from old employers. And so we thought, you know, we always talk on the show about consolidating accounts, meaning you shouldn't have accounts spread out all over the place. It makes no sense uh, to have accounts. And so this is along those same lines to consolidate accounts to one custodian. And so you should, in our opinion, uh, and we, because we do this for a living, there's no reason to have, if, let's say you have three or, or two or three old 401ks or 403bs from past employers still in those plans where you sort of aren't monitoring anymore, or you, even if you are, you look at them once a year and you have to log on and have to you know reset your password all that stuff um you know we want to sort of talk about your options for those old plans and so of course we have to say this uh, the regulators want us to say this you can of course leave them where uh where they are and that's what the regulators want us to say and of course you can do that i will tell you that when i was in corporate america the first paperwork i filled out when i left the company was the rollover paperwork for my 401k to roll it into my ira at my custodian of where my ira was because for me 
the choices in every single 401k I've ever had, and, and that includes, um, I've always worked in the financial ser- financial industry. You would think they would have great 401ks. They didn't have great options in their 401ks. Most 401ks have between 20 and 25 investment options, and they're not awesome. And the older you are, the closer to needing the money, they're even worse because usually their fixed income options are really terrible. So that being said, you, the first thing I, we have to tell you is that you can leave it where it is. Of course, you know that because you did leave it where it is. Uh, but, um, you know, but the, the second thing you can do is roll that money into an IRA. And uh, obviously, I just made the case for that. But the, again, the reason to roll it into an IRA, either that you're managing yourself or you hire a financial advisor to do is – if you roll it to a big custodian like a Schwab or a Fidelity or, or any of the big custodians, uh, you now have unlimited investment choices so you can build a portfolio that is much more appropriate for you. You're not limited to just the, the uh, options within your old 403B or 401K. To me, that is a huge difference. I know people underestimate that, but from an investment perspective, my investments now – um, because I, all of my retirement plans and my HSA and my, all of my accounts are invested exactly where I want them to, not based on what some company says, these are the best options for you. And so that's an important benefit. The other part of that consolidating of assets is that, you know, you log on and you see all of your accounts and all of your money. You don't have to remember or tell your executor of your state, oh, yeah, by the way, here are my other accounts. And you're going to have to send death certificates to those places to get that money rolled over. Consolidating it makes a, a ton uh, more sense. Um, you can also this this is another one that people have been doing and a lot of foreign Ks are encouraging and they're making it easier. You can roll it into your new uh, 403B or 401K, I, again, I, I don't like the merits of that very much because, again, you're limited to what that company you're working for has picked for their 401K options, and they're usually not always the best. And, of course, you can always cash that money out. Uh, we would not recommend that. If you do it before you're 59 and a half, you're going to be subject to a 10% penalty plus ordinary income. So it's going to be you know, 40 plus percent of that money is going to go away in the form of taxes. Uh, and and a penalty if you're not 59 and a half. Um, and if you don't need the money, why would you do that? Some 401ks uh, or 403bs have a rule that if the you know if you don't roll it out of a certain amount of time and it's under five thousand dollars, they're just going to send you a check. So uh, you know if you do leave, you want to make sure you know that. But obviously, the big thing for me and and Josh it, it, on the show is consolidating all your accounts into one place. And this includes your old 401ks and 403bs because it's amazing to me. A lot of people have these things out there. I mean, we've, we, we know people that have eight different old 401ks. That makes absolutely no sense to us. It's hard to build a, a good asset allocation. Yeah, they never, sense they never know what they own and, yeah. and they don't keep track of, of two or three of them. Ultimately. So under the, under the, you know, consolidating everything to make it easier for you, but also your executive of your state, 401ks and 403bs, we feel like should be rolled into one place. All right, if you want to take one of us up on a free retirement review, we'll give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get it scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Disasters happen, and Oregon faces a range of disaster threats, including earthquakes, floods, and storms. You can prepare now by taking three important steps. Step one, contact your insurance company to make sure you have the right amounts and types of coverage. Step two, create a home inventory by taking photos or videos of your possessions in each room of your home. Step three, 
gather and make copies of important identifying and financial documents, store them in the cloud or another secure location. These three actions can help you and your community be more resilient in the face of disaster. Be disaster ready by being insurance ready. Visit dfr.oregon.gov slash prepare now to learn how. This message brought to you by the Oregon Division of Financial Regulation, the Oregon Association of Broadcasters, and this station. About 100 years ago, Bend started up as a lumber town with mostly small wooden homes built to shelter the mill workers. Today, it's a bustling city of startups and established businesses with a tremendous variety of homes built to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle. For more than half of that century, Duke Warner Realty has been here to help people buy and sell those homes. Family owned and operated since 1967, Duke Warner has a team of brokers who know the community and the market inside out. With many decades of expertise in the Central Oregon area, we're your friends and neighbors who believe that combining old-fashioned hard work with the newest technologies gives you the competitive edge. We'll walk you through the listings, the comps, the offers, the counteroffers, the inspections, the escrow, the closing. We'll even walk you through the walkthrough until finally the celebration. So if you're ready to move now or anytime in the next hundred years, contact Duke Warner Realty because when it comes to real estate, you can't fake experience. We live in a high desert wonderland. And you like to be outside. The Ben Factory stores have what you need. For the Central Oregon outdoor lifestyle. Make a bold statement and save up to 70% every day. Over 20 famous brand names like Columbia, Nike, and Pendleton. And locals like Learning Express Toys, Runway Fashion Exchange, and Cascade Mattress and Bedroom Furniture. Shop with nothing in mind and find exactly what you wanted. Great buys that reflect your personality. Learning Express Toys is your local connection to get the toys kids love and wish for. Legos, Squishmallows of all sorts, and the latest and coolest fidgets. Make indoor playing fun with games and toys for every age. Learning Express Toys is Central Oregon's favorite toy shop. Don't forget to ask about the birthday box. Avoid supply and delivery issues when you shop local and get those wishes today. Smart shoppers start at the Ben Factory stores, South Highway 97. Because everyone needs an outlet. Prescription products require an online consultation with a health care provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Subscription required. Hey, guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same but is 90% cheaper? And you can get it online? Just go to 4 slash joy. At Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, a 100% online process, and trusted generic alternatives to the biggest brands at 90% off. That's right. Get generic for Viagra, the same active ingredient as brand name Viagra, but 90% cheaper. It's the same medication you get from your doctor, but with zero copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face -face conversations. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash joy. That's 4 slash joy for your free online visit, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. The mission is clear. Give honest, transparent analysis and actionable advice every week. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube and get our twice-monthly e-newsletter. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh Finelli, And we are partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the great Pacific Northwest. Uh, so one of the things that was really interesting as it related to, or to uh, inflation was the increase in money supply. So we saw a 40% increase in the money supply. So that's M2, the amount of money essentially sloshing around in the system, uh, increased by 40% in 18 months, the biggest increase ever, obviously, by a lot post-COVID, uh, post right? And, and so that obviously is going to be inflationary. If you have a bunch more of it, obviously, it's going to be inflationary. It's going to be worth less. Um, but we're now seeing one of the other levers that the Fed has that, that nobody really talks about, or at least in the mainstream media, is the shrinking of M2, shrinking of the money supply. Uh, and we saw for the first time ever, uh, the last 12 months, the su money supply 
to decrease. So they've been tracking this since 1959. The money supply has never decreased in this country. And for the first time ever uh, in the last 12 months, it's fallen by 1.3%. So it's not a big amount, but the idea that the Fed has that lever to pull to also deal with uh, the demand side. Uh, They're is much another. more reticent to pull that lever. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, the, that's the lever that is way more effective, actually, believe it or not, than them raising the Fed funds rate. Um, because you, you know what another thing they can do is sell bonds in the market, which would impact interest rates because if you have a big seller in the bond market, in order for all those bonds to be attractive to the investing public, rates have to go up, and all those mortgages you know credit cards, all of that stuff is uh levered to those interest rates, and so the Fed could really, if they wanted to make rates move up quickly by doing those two things and the the reason that we got that inflationary surge is they i think you know, the unprecedented level of coordination between both monetary and fiscal policy and the fiscal transfers accelerated the velocity of money. And so you had all of that brand new money sloshing around between people because all of that monetary creation back in the 2010s sort of was concentrated in the hands of the people that were not so reticent, you know, that were reticent to actually spend it because it was just being reinvested back into financial assets, essentially. And uh, that fiscal transfer... <laughs> Those that worked. They finally they got the genie out of the bag, so to speak, in terms of actually engineering inflation. So now they know how to do it if they ever have to do it again. There just wasn't a lot of good. So the hard part for us was that there wasn't a good amount of long term velocity of money, meaning it didn't go into uh, meaningful projects. It essentially, just ended up in the richest people's pockets relatively quickly. Well, yeah, the forty five or fifty cents that ended up at Amazon or Walmart. Right. Okay. So. Uh, I, I want to talk about in this segment, cash on the sidelines, and, and there's a couple of reasons people have cash on the sidelines. So first, if you have an emergency fund that is your, you know, the base of your financial plan, we say keep it in something safe wherever you think that is, if it's a CD or checking account or money market or whatever it is. We don't want – we're not talking about that in this segment. We think it should stay where it is. Uh, but there are a lot of people that try to time markets, like in and out of markets uh, based on what they think is going to happen in the future from a political standpoint or stocks being overvalued or whatever inflation, whatever reason a lot of you people have out there for trying to, to get in and out of markets uh, to try to time market peaks and bottoms, uh, you have those reasons. And so there's a lot of that money still on the sidelines or people have come into cash or an inheritance or whatever it might be and um they're waiting they're, they're waiting right they're waiting for something to happen they haven't written down what they're waiting to happen but they say to themselves i'll know it when i see it um and so uh you know a lot of people say well i'm waiting for a bigger correction to get in or valuations are too high or what if the economy goes into a recession this year uh interest rates are going up isn't that bad for stocks so there's all these reasons that people have uh but the you know the so if we if we think about cash this way, the average yield on cash, meaning money market or some instrument like that, since 1928 has been 3.3%. That's using the three-month treasury bill as a proxy. Um, if you go back to 1928, what were your odds of beating the S&P 500 while sitting in cash? 31% over a one-year period. So actually, the odds were better than I thought over a one-year period that if you were in cash, uh, over a one-year period, 31% of the time, you'd be the S&P. Over a five-year period, that moves down to 22%, so only 22% of the time over a five-year period, cash is going to beat the S&P. Over a 10-year period, 16% of the time, uh, and that was really only twice over that two 10-year two periods in the Great Depression and the early 2000s. And over a 20-year period, uh, you would have never... Uh, you would have never cash would have never beaten the S&P 500 over a 20 year period. That includes if you bought at the peak of 19, in 1929. The salient point is like either waiting or dollar cost averaging is a good way to sort of minimize the regret that can come from investing right before a downturn. But stealing my thunder, my man, putting your money to work all at once just, you know, is going to create a much better outcome, especially when you have a longer time horizon. It's just not close. So over a one year over one year periods, the average cost of holding cash has been roughly eight percent. Meaning that's what, on on average, over a one year period, uh, you're giving up eight percent return over cash. So uh, over a twenty five year period, that grows to one thousand two hundred percent. So over a twenty five year period, the cost of holding cash 
over the S&P 500 instead of the S&P 500 costs you 1,200%, uh, which that math is uh, hard to ignore. Uh, so, you know, let's say you're waiting for a bear market. Let's say you're uh, to buy at a better price than today. Uh, that's So 79% of the time, even if you have the discipline to wait for a 20-plus percent decline before investing, uh, Fall, when it uh, when it finally comes, it will be higher than the level today. So what what happens is, is that almost all of the time when people wait, if you, if you say you write down, I'm going to wait for a 20 percent or greater correction to invest, almost all of you in that period that you're waiting will get into the market at a higher price than if you had just gotten in when you had the money. So that's another thing is like waiting for that 20% correction. Yeah, you might get in and it might feel good, but the market price you're going to get in at is higher than if you had just invested it. Uh, following the bear market low in 2009, stocks went vertical, rallying seven months in a row and nine out of the next 10 months. By the end of 2009, many thought it would be prudent to wait for another 20% pullback before getting in. But when that 20% decline came, it was 2022, <laughs> when the S&P 500 was 330% higher. And that happened to a lot of people. They said, well, I'm just going to wait uh, for a 20% correction. So the lesson's clear. Uh, if you're waiting for a large decline to get invested, you have to be prepared to wait a really long time and understand that when decline eventually comes, it's most likely that you're going to get into into the market at a higher level than you would have originally if you had just invested the mo money. And then Josh's point, what are the odds that dollar cost averaging into the market will beat a lump sum? Uh, not very good, but we still think that for most people, dollar cost averaging. So the reality is, is because stocks go up 80 in 80% of the year, so eight out of 10 years, stocks are higher uh, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Um, we think that obviously based on that, lump sum investing is is statistically the way to go. But we also know that uh, people's temperament, especially if they're investing cash, right? So if you invest 100000 or a million dollars in cash and the market goes down 20% and your your million is now 800000 that's really hard for people to take. So uh, we think that dollar cost averaging for most people out there is an easier way to do it. The one thing when you dollar cost average is if you're dollar cost averaging into a bear market, you can't give up on dollar cost averaging just because the market's going down, which is you know much, a common thing we yeah, hear from much, clients like, oh, I'm not going to chase good money after bad. Much easier said than done. Right. But it's it's the really important thing. It's like, wait, if, if you like stocks 20% ago, why don't you like them even more now that they're down more? Um, and what if there's another recession? Um, he, here's the thing. Like, yes, there's going to be another recession. Aren't stocks going to fall further, of course? Uh, historically, bear markets associated with recessions have been steeper, averaging a 42% decline versus 29% for other declines not associated with the recession. Um, uh not all bear markets, not all recessions have led to big bear markets. Uh, there was a couple in 1945, 1953, 1954, 60, 61, where we only had declines of 14% in stocks. Uh, so the big thing is, you know, if you knew how to time it perfectly, since the Great Depression, if you were able to time the next 14 recessions perfectly, you would have underperformed the S&P with the 10.6% return versus 11.3 buy and hold. So if you had known how to time the, the all 14 recessions since the Great Depression perfectly uh, and you got in and out of the market, you would have still underperformed the market uh, by about uh, 75 basis points. So time in the market, people. Time in the market, not timing the market is the key to success. All right, when we come back, we're going to tackle some of your emails. If you want to email us, go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988.
My name is Amethyst, and I am the birthstone for February. It is very fitting that I should be associated with celebrations honoring St. Valentine. He wore me around his neck constantly for protection and to remind him to love all he came in contact with. You see, during the Middle Ages, it was a time of romance and chivalry. <sighs> I miss those days. If a lady and her knight or a husband and wife exchanged an amethyst in the shape of a heart and set in silver, then I granted them the greatest possible happiness and good fortune for the rest of their lives. It is believed that the Roman god of wine, Bacchus, fell in love with me as a mere mortal and wished to marry me. But I refused, and in a fit of rage, he turned me into a pillar of quartz. Well, he did immortalize me as the maiden of love, and I enjoy bringing romance to couples everywhere. For your Valentine's gift, you can find me at Satterley Jewelry Repair and Design Center on 5th and Fur in Redmond. I studied Spanish in college and never got fluent, but then I tried Babbel. Want the most effective way to learn another language? In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel's bite-sized lessons will have you learning another language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is all conversation-based, so it gets you speaking quickly about things you actually talk about in the real world. You'll really see a difference in how you can speak and how conversational you can be in just a few weeks. Babbel isn't just lessons. You can listen to podcasts, play games, watch videos. You can even take live online classes with a language teacher. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. The lessons online and in the app make it easy to learn from pretty much anywhere. University studies have shown that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a semester of college Spanish. If you want to learn a new language, there's no better way than Babbel. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Babbel dot com. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints. Call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N-info.com. A powerful business relies on powerful connections. That's why TDS offers ultra-fast internet with download speeds up to one gig. TDS also makes it easy to optimize your wireless connection. Add TDS Wi-Fi Plus for business to get a strong, reliable signal and minimize dead spots. Power up your business with fast internet and smart Wi-Fi from TDS. Internet speeds are up to and not guaranteed. Subject to availability. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. your free retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Call us today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. Welcome back. If you want to take us up on a free retirement review, call the office. If you have at least 500000 of investable dollars and one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about whatever you want to talk about in your financial life that is because i know some people want to talk about all sorts of things and josh and i are not good divorce counselors we don't not we just get real quiet real fast uh so why diversify we talked about this in a couple seconds ago from 2000 2009 through 2021 diversification seemed almost irrelevant if you simply owned the big four, Apple, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, and nothing else, you would have crushed everything by a wide margin. The dominance of large cap growth uh, during that period was rivaled to the tech bubble of the 1990s and peak in 2000. As a percentage of the S&P 500, concentration of the top five holdings actually surpassed the highest it ever gotten to. It got to 24% at the end of 2021. Uh, that's obviously changed um, 
Growth last year, growth stocks underperformed value stocks by 21.5%. That's the widest uh, delta going back to 1979. Um, the S&P also underperformed uh, international developed markets by 4.1% last year. So we don't know if this is going to continue, but it's precisely why you diversify. And, and anytime, you know, reversion to the mean is a real thing, especially in investing. And so uh, we feel like, you know, even though that outperformance was pretty dramatic, there's a long way to go to get back to a real reversion of, uh, to the mean. Okay, let's tackle some email questions. Uh, it doesn't say who this is from. Uh, anyways, it says we're recent, we we're retired and recently lost a hundred thousand dollars in our portfolio. Our advisor said that we could lose another hundred thousand in 2023. Isn't that crazy? Uh, well, you know, first of all, I commend your advisor for being honest with you. Yeah. And you know, one of the red flags in our business is when people start, uh, inserting, absolute values versus well i will say this if they had two hundred thousand dollars yeah fair enough yeah but, but you know, likely they had of course we need more information to be able to make any kind of assessment but uh you know that's one of the red flags for us is always when people start framing losses in absolute dollar value terms versus percentage terms because a hundred grand for all we know could be five or ten percent of your portfolio which you know depending on how you're invested would would have been a reasonable drawdown uh, relative to the performance of the market last, last year. year, right? But you know, I think kudos to the advisor for being honest with you, and you know, that's a realistic assessment of the future because, quite honestly, no one knows how this market plays out. Yeah. So unless you said our our goal is preservation of capital and we want to take no principal risk, I mean, assuming you said to the, your advisor, you know, we want to be in a balanced portfolio or something of the of the sort where you had some of your money in stocks, you know, the S&P 500 being down uh, 20% last year, essentially, and bonds being down, uh, you know, 15%, uh, you know, you might have actually had a good year relative uh, to what it could have been. So unless you said we want preservation of our capital, uh, you know, your advisor probably did the right thing. I mean, it, you know, we had people take us up on free retirement views and they came in all, you know, throwing their advisor under the bus saying our advisor uh, did us wrong last year. And it's like, well, tell me some more about that story. And, you know, their portfolio was down something like 8%. And I'm like, your your advisor did a great job last year relative to the market, what the market did. And uh, that sort of took people back. And so, you know, you have to, you can't look at things in a vacuum uh, unless you're very specific with your instructions about, you know, principal principal protection. But you have to remember a year ago, like if you, in the beginning of 2022, interest rates were zero. So if you were going to have a preservation of principal portfolio, your return was going to be essentially zero uh, over that period. So, all right, we got an email from a Carol. Carol says, I'm a retired, retired educator and I'm just turning 72. I'm about to start taking my required minimum distributions. I don't need the full amount. But I guess I'll have to take it anyway. I don't know when the best time to take the RMD is. Is it best to take it all at once at the end of the year, or should I take it monthly throughout the year? If you're not using it, uh, we would recommend likely postponing your distributions until the end of the year in which you're required to actually take them. The only reason we say that is, of course, because you get the benefit of almost the additional year's worth of tax deferred growth well hold on that's right but hold on a second am i wrong here it doesn't isn't carol uh cares act 2.0 she doesn't yeah take no it well she's year. not gonna have to take yeah. it if she's okay. turning 72 this You're year going but, there, yeah sorry. i pulled the job no no it's fine <laughs> <laughs> you know you get an extra year so here we are you get you you know you get an extra two years functionally because they changed the law and you know now you don't have to start until the year you turn 73 so uh it's but if you're not going to use it at all and you're just going to, you know, ultimately just sort of journal it over to a taxable account, which is what we would recommend you doing, basically leaving it invested, just uh, taking that distribution, reinvesting it in a taxable account, postponing you actually using it. Don't let it just sit in your checking account uh, doing nothing. But the idea behind waiting is, of course, you get that additional year's worth of deferral. So if you're not going to use it, always err to the side of taking it later in the year. We have a lot of clients that uh, we send their RMDs during property tax time, and so they can prepay their property taxes. But I mean, like Josh means, but it's the tax deferral. So meaning if you have uh, all, you know, a lot of your investments in there are paying dividends or capital gains or whatever it is, uh, 
keep that in a tax deferred account when all that those distributions are happening um, before you move that money out because you get to take advantage of that on a tax deferred basis, meaning you're not having to pay taxes on those distributions. Uh, and especially if you're moving securities, like we have a lot of clients with their required minimum distribution, we actually never sell anything. We just move a bunch of securities from their retirement account over to their uh, taxable investment account without ever selling anything. And in that case, we definitely are going to wait uh, till December to do that. Um, one thing, Carol, I tell you, like Josh said, you, good news is, Carol, you have another, uh, you know, more than a year till you have to take your RMD because uh, the CARES 2.0 Act said that now it's 73, moving to 75 for the RMD. Um, but the other thing, Carol, if you are charitably inclined, one thing you could consider is doing something called a Qualified Charitable Distribution, QCD for short, because, Carol, even though you don't need the money, you're still going to have to pay taxes on the whole amount. And so if you're giving money to charity anyway, uh, you can give up to $100,000 of, uh, of your required minimum distribution to a 501c3 charity. It has to be a 501c3 charity, and it has to go directly from your IRA account to the charity. You can't, you can't get your hands on it. It has to go directly from the custodian where you keep your IRA to the charity. Uh, you don't have to pay taxes on that money. So again, that's called a qualified charitable distribution uh, where you're not having to pay taxes if you're in the RMD stage. So that's important, Carol. For everybody else out there, the new required minimum distribution for people in 2023 age is 73, uh, and it's over time going to move to 75 um, which I guess is good news. The government's just delaying the inevitable of having to tax that money. But uh, And then the last thing is if you don't need it, best to just move securities. All right, that is our show this week. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. Remember, buy low, sell high. We'll see you next week. listening to partners of Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management on the radio show Financial Focus. Remember, you can email or call with your questions anytime during the week. Visit northwestquadrantwealth.com for more information. See you next week on Financial Focus. Any opinions expressed herein are given in good faith and are subject to change without notice and are only correct at the stated date of issue. Past performance is not always indicative of future results. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Securities, financial instruments, or strategies mentioned may not be suitable for all investors. Prices, values, or income from an investment mentioned in this report may fall against the interest of the investor, and the investor may get back less than the amount invested. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as a recommendation of particular securities, financial instruments, or strategies to you. Before acting on any recommendation on this material, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice.